Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. All right, so last week we finished off the, we started on the 21 program design hacks, but we did not finish 21, so I clicked start on that podcast expecting to get through 21 different styles of programming your sets and reps, um, different schemes, intensification factors, so on and so forth, and I got to 11, and it was almost an hour already, so I decided to cap it and split that into two parts, so here I am recording part two, and we're going to start <clears throat> with number 12, however, uh, before I get into this, I do want to say if you didn't listen to the part one, <laughs> go back and listen to it. Um, and you can honestly do so after this if you want. I gave a little bit more context in that episode as to why I was doing this in the first place. Um, I also mentioned, which I'll mention again right now, that there is a blog breaking down all of these techniques. So if you listen to me and you're like, man, number 14, mechanical drop sets, that was a really cool way of doing things. I really liked that dumbbell inclined bench press mechanical drop set method he explained but what does that look like go check out the blog i have it in writing so you can actually read like do this for this many reps then this then this then this right and um, that'll give you a little bit more just easeability into programming because you could technically literally just copy and paste it (laughs) into your program um, or into your client's programming so um there's that the other part of this is is because these are just 21 random program design quote-unquote hacks which again i will say this as well there are no hacks these are all just methods to make training more interesting more challenging and more fun um you could technically listen to that one after this so i don't want you to think you got to stop this podcast and go back to last week's uh last monday's podcast technically you could start with either one they're just 21 random program design techniques um, that you're going to be able to use. So um, that's that. Uh, what I do want to say, again, just in case there are people that uh, didn't listen to the the previous one, is that just remember that, <clears throat> man, I don't know why I've cleared my throat so much. Um, sorry about that. I want you guys to understand that there are no hacks, there are no tricks. Um, in most progression inside the gym comes down to a few fundamental things, and that's going to be uh, consistency first and foremost, effort, you got to work hard, progression, if you're not consistently progressing or you're using so many of these different intensification techniques and fun things and challenging ideas that I'm, I'm laying out inside your programming, you're using 16 of the 21 in a single week, number one, you're probably going to burn out, so your recovery is going to be shit, your stress is going to be high, therefore you're probably not going to progress for very long. Number two, it's damn near impossible to actually track progressive overload when you use too many of these different things, which is why some of your training should almost be very basic, right? Focus on mastering the movement patterns and just slowly but surely progressing every one to two weeks. Um, If you can do that, you're going to see results. Now, the reason I created this blog and then wanted to create 
these podcasts is to get people to think outside the box because as a coach, one of the most important things to getting a client results anecdotally is fun. Like I, I see a lot of people who are in the labs, in the research that are creating logistics, right? They're creating theories. They're creating systems that fundamentally work. They give us the numerical order of operations. They give us the hierarchy of really what matters, volume, intensity, frequency, how to manage these things, RPE, RIR, effort, how much of your training should go to failure, what's the best training splits, um, sleep, stress, recovery. They're giving us the theories and the research in order to use these things, but that stuff's not fun. It's not fun at all. And you can make a program extremely science-based that is boring as hell because all you're doing is straight sets. It takes forever. You're using plenty of rest periods. You can increase the load on every set. You just have a linear progression for 12 weeks at a time. So you're doing the same exercises week after week after week. Um, there is no intensity variation. There is no, like, there's no just fun, just challenge. And that's why I think, like, one of the things I really enjoyed about my history of training is that I always had some kind of element of fun in there um, with my clients and with myself. I used things like like all these techniques I'm talking about. So last week we covered uh, working to a three rep max and then dropping for eight to 12 on your compound every day. Uh, one six contrast sets where you do a one rep, 90% of your one rep max, just one rep heavy, drop weight, six six reps right after that. And the idea of that one heavy rep stimulating the nervous system to attract more motor units and muscle fibers before hitting those six set rep sets. Now, based on your stress levels, it can be very difficult to progressively overload that because your three rep max is going to be different every week. Your one six contrast sets are going to be different every week. Doing pyramid training, reverse pyramid training, strength wave loading, three two one or five three one, hypertrophy wave loading, seven five three or eight six four, weekly undulated straight sets, strength circuits, EMOMs, Sadiv sets, cluster sets. These are all the things I covered last week, and they're all great, but they can be difficult to show progressive overload every week. That doesn't mean you're not progressing, because if you're going heavier heavier and you're creating a stimulus of stress that your body has to adapt to, you're seeing success. The difference here is when we use some of these, not all of these, just some of them. So again, some of your training should be boring, boring and just focus on linear progression and movement efficiency. However, using some of these can stimulate your motivation. It gets your brain focused. It gets your brain stimulated. It gets you working harder. It gets you more enthusiastic. It gets you more fired up and excited and nervous to go hit the gym because you know you got those tough sets to grind out. You know you have those mechanical drop sets and those intensification factors and, and all those challenging sets that you're going to have to do. Um, so I think there's a big advantage to using these things simply from an enjoyment, enthusiasm, motivation, and just fun standpoint. Um, and I'm really big on that. So that being said, giving you some context, let's kind of dive into these. First, we got mile reps. So number 12, um, carrying on from last week. Myo reps are uh, a, a type of rep, a type of drop set essentially, um, was developed by, and I'm going to run this, this is like, <laughs> uh, okay, so his name is B-O-R-G-E, and I've heard it said a million times, I can't believe, I feel like I am that average white guy saying gyro instead of euro <laughs> right now. Um, I don't know if it's Bor, Borge, Borge, Borg, Borgie, B-O-R-G-E, 
Fagerly, Fag, Fagerly, Fagerly. I don't, I have no idea. Um, I've I've literally read so many of his articles. I've used his programming, so I apologize. Um, I think it's Borge, Borge. Um, if anybody knows, let me know. But he created the Myo Rep. So the Myo Rep is a way to extend your already challenging set even further. This is a great drop set slash rest pause technique to add more volume and muscle damage to further enhance hypertrophy. Um, again, this can be debunked simply because if we are using the fatigue ratio model and we, we think about how much this fatigues us, is it like, is it really allowing us to get more volume long term or just more volume that set? Is it beneficial? We don't know. Is it pushing you towards failure? I don't know. For some people, I think this can be really good because it can allow you to push to a true RPE of eight or nine, where a lot of people, again, I've used this study example a million times, but it's a great example where they had however many uh, male athletes do the bench press and they, they asked the male athletes to put a 10 rep max on the bar and they had a spotter and they were going to perform 10 reps. And uh, I want to say the lowest count was 12 reps and most people and this is again this is their 12 rep max meaning the most they could possibly lift for 12 10 reps um and the highest was 26 reps the average was like 16 which means that literally everybody in the study got over 10 reps for their quote unquote 10 rep max so doing something like this can actually allow you to squeeze out the volume that was probably accurate so some people have stubborn growth quote unquote i think these people are actually not hard gainers i think these people are actually people who don't understand their true reps in reserve of one or two. They truly don't know what max effort is and it's actually important to go to that sometimes. So for those people who don't know how to gauge it, this is actually a really good way to do it. So um, this is purely hypertrophy focused strategy. So it's really just to add volume at the end of a set um, and kind of create that burnout, right? Create it, which is, you don't want to do this on a compound lift. Let's say you're doing it on your bench press and you know you have a ton of chest left that day. It's going to fatigue you out first. So this is something you'd probably want to save for later in your programming. I really enjoy this on seated rows and seated pull downs. Um, but what you do is after your final set, uh, you can use this on a set of 6, 8, 10, 12, doesn't really matter. Uh, you rest 20 seconds and then do just three more perfect and full range of mo uh, motion reps. Rest 20 seconds, do three more. Rest 20 seconds, do three more. Continue doing this until you can no longer perform three reps. Um, you'll know because you only get two reps. And it might actually be less than 20 seconds. Um, some people even say like three to five breaths. So really we can we can change this. Uh, I think the myo reps technique, can be, is, it's kind of versatile. I think you could probably do it like a cluster and only take 10 seconds, which is probably what I would recommend. Keep a little bit more of the blood flow. Um, and, and so basically imagine it like this. You do 10 reps with the seated cable row. Rack the cable, breathe three to five times. You're probably gonna be anywhere between 10 to 15 seconds. Do three full range of motion, perfect reps, contracting hard, perfect. Drop it, three to five breaths, probably about 10 to 15 seconds, do three more. And you keep repeating this exact fashion until you get two sets and you can't get three. Or you get three and you barely get it because you're failing and then you stop. So you could have taken that 10 rep set and now you have gotten 30 total reps with it, 20 total reps with it, even just 16, 19 reps. You still got way more volume. So this is something you can do at the end of a set. Um just to increase intensification and stuff like this works really well if you do a full week of it and what i like doing is like week one is like a just a moderate volume moderate intensity week two is an increased intensity because you're adding load week three is either a another higher intensity because you're adding load again or if you can't necessarily add load to things by the third week of a program you add mile reps to 
50% of your lifts, right? One lift a day, you pick a mile rep to do. And you just crank volume up through the roof. And then week four is a deload, right? So stuff like that works really well. Number 13, rest, pause, sets. Rest, pause training is extremely well known. It's been around forever. Um, and it's pretty similar to cluster sets. However, I find it more boring because <laughs> I'm impatient inside my training. I'm impatient inside of a lot of things. And I like to be constantly moving or um, going through things, which isn't always a good thing when you're training because you do want adequate rest to be able to lift enough volume. Um, but for a rest, pause set, you'll simply take your set of, say, 10 reps and break it up into 10 mini sets of one. Hit a heavy, full range of motion rep, rest 10 seconds, hit another rep, rest 10 seconds, so on and so forth. Until you complete your target rep count. So that could be 6, 8, 10, or until form is breaking down, essentially. Uh, this is a great way to use heavier loads for higher volume in a shorter period of time. Even though your time under tension isn't completely constant, it's still there because you're taking minimal rest periods in between these little mini sets. And neurologically, you're getting used to lifting heavier loads more often, which is super beneficial for getting stronger and being able to just handle heavier loads and more volume with heavier loads, which is obviously the combination of those two things can help growth. Um, but what I would say is like, you're probably not going to want to do a ton of sets of this. So you could do like two to three sets of like six rest pause and you're using a three rep max. So I go to the trap bar and let's say my three rep max is for easy math. It's 350. I put 350 on the bar. I do one rep. It's clean, it's smooth, it's powerful. Drop it, wait 10 seconds, do it again. Wait 10 seconds, do it again. And hopefully get six reps with it. Um, I would say anywhere between a three to four rep max is probably going to be good for a, uh, a six total rest pause. Um, you probably want to basically drop the number by 50%. So if you're doing 10 total rest pause reps, you're probably going to want to have um, a five rep max, for example. Um, and you can do them until form breaks down and, and it's easy. Everybody's different. So what you'll notice is there's some people who could lift their three rep max for 10 rest pause. There's some people who would need like a six rep max because everybody's tolerance for neurological strength adaptations and everybody's tolerance for muscular endurance is different. That's why you tend to see people who are really strong and efficient in the 10 to 15 rep range. And then you see a lot of people, some people who are really, really strong in that like one to five rep range. Um, it is just completely dependent on the person, their nervous system, their muscle fiber type, so on and so forth. But really, really classic, really good uh, technique, rest pause. Number 14, mechanical drop set. A mechanical drop set is where we manipulate the angle, grip, or some other variable inside the exercise that is not the load so that you can continue lifting the exact same weight as fatigue settles in. This is a great way to safely extend a step further and further for more tension and volume. So here's a good example. This is one of my favorites. I kind of mentioned it in the intro. A dumbbell bench press mechanical drop set. What you would do here is you start with a dumbbell high incline press for six to eight reps. So as we know, we can typically lift heavier on a flat dumbbell bench than we can on an incline dumbbell bench, especially a high incline. So the higher the incline, the more shoulder dominant is going to be. Um, which is not a bad thing, but typically we can't lift in a high, high incline or overhead as heavy as we can as a dumbbell flat bench. Um, so we'll start there with our six to eight rep max. So when you hit six, seven, or eight reps, you're literally failing. It's like an RPE of 10, maybe nine, but like really heavy. Then what you do is ideally you have this with a partner. Ideally what you do is you lower the weights, put them on your knees, sit forward. Your partner drops the incline to a 
low incline. So now you're doing a dumbbell low incline press. And you do as many reps as you can. Um, I would say you stop with one in the tank so you don't literally fail. Put them on your knees, lean forward. After this one, he lowers it again. He or she lowers it to a flat. And now you're doing a dumbbell flat bench and you're maxing out again. So now we've taken a dumbbell high incline press gone from that from a six to eight rep max to a dumbbell low incline press, which very well could have been another six to eight rep max because you're already fatigued, but it could be more because you can typically lift heavier the lower the incline, um, and then you go to a flat bench to lower the incline again. So during the mechanical drop set, we took really this, this six to eight rep max, and we extended it three times to get three times the volume and three times the time under tension because each time they drop that incline, your rest is literally just as as much as you can do in between that, uh, which is pretty quick. If you're alone, it takes way longer. It's not as beneficial because now we have to set the dumbbells down, lower it, so on and so forth. Um, but you can do this with rows or chin-ups by manipulating the grip or, or assistance as you go. So this one's really easy to do with uh, by yourself is a chin-up or a lap pull-down. But for a chin-up, for example, we start with a, a ultra-wide grip, so like super-wide grip. You can't get nearly as many reps. Then you come into a moderate grip, and then you finish with a close grip, supinated chin-up. So you go from wide grip pull-up to narrow grip pull-up to ultra-narrow grip chin-up. Chin-ups are going to be supinated, so palms facing you. You get a lot more bicep help with that, and the lever arm is shorter, so it's easier. You have less distance to go. I'm sorry, it's not shorter, but you have um, a more favorable angle of that lever arm, and you get the assistance of the bicep more. Um, so basically, again what we're doing is making a movement easier as volume increases and as fatigue settles in. Um, really, really cool. And so uh, triceps is another one that I really love, but you need a partner with. It's called the triceps of death. Um, so basically, you can put a board on your chest and you do close grip bench press to the board. So you have one two by four on your chest. Basically, it's full range motion. Once you start fatiguing, you got like two reps in the tank, you have somebody put another board. Keep going. So now it's it's less range of motion. Once you start to fatigue, somebody puts another board. And you do this until you have like five boards on your chest and you're barely moving at all. So when you're barely moving at all, you're literally just essentially just doing elbow extensions, tricep extensions with a bar over your chest. Destroys – it still works your chest too, but it destroys your triceps. This is a old – I don't know if this was made popular by Elite FTS or Westside Barbell. I got it from Elite FTS. There's an old book by, um, oh my God, what is his name? He's a legend. How am I blanking on it? I've literally, I go to his site all the time. I'm looking it up because I'm ashamed that I don't know. Dave Tate, it didn't even pop up, but I didn't find it yet, but Dave Tate is who I'm thinking of. I got it from Dave Tate. He has a book from way back called The Vault, and it's just a ton of different exercise techniques and different things like that. Really cool book, um, but I love Triceps of Depth, so that's a really good one too, but the main point here is a mechanical drop set is you are changing by making it easier. You are train changing a, vari a variable to make the range of motion less or your grip, range of motion, variation, some way, shape, or form, angle easier so you can continue to push volume up as fatigue settles in. So again, high incline, low incline, flat. You could go wide grip, narrow grip, chin up. Um, you could go triceps death, limiting range of motion as you go. Um, trying to think if there's any good ones. 
you could, I guess you could do a seated dumbbell curl. So you could go like, for example, you could go an easy bar curl, strict curl. You could stand up, do a full range of motion curl standing up. You get a little more momentum when you're standing up. Then you could do a drag curl, which is where you slide the bar up your body. Um, I've done this even with a cable where you let your elbows come forward, your shoulders are in shoulder flexion, and you do full range of motion curls, which is more difficult. Then you go neutral, so shoulders at your side, a little bit easier. Then you go extension, so shoulders behind you, um, and now it's even easier because you're doing a drag curl. And then finally, you can actually lean forward, so your range of motion is smaller. So there's many things you could do. You could do this one with a lateral raise, I'm sure, too, like uh, seated strict and then swinging or something. Or you go... Um, this one's brutal. So you could go um, seated lateral raises, standing lateral raises, and then bent over uh, posterior reverse flies. So basically you're going all delts and then you're moving into your traps. But that's another easy one. So there's a, there's a, a bunch of different ones you could do. Really, really fun. Number 15, partial range drop sets. So I accidentally described this already. <laughs> but... Um, it's simple. It's very, very similar to the mechanical drop set. Um, you're essentially just extending the set further and further to increase time and retention overall volume. So exactly like the one above. Triceps of death is the one that I explained in the blog for the partial range motion drop sets. And it's like I said, you just add a board until you can no longer do it. Um, did not mean to explain that already. Um, but any other exercise you would simply perform full range of motion as long as you can. Once fatigue settles in, you start to limit your range of motion more and more. So you may go from a full range rep to a three-quarter rep to a half rep to uh, finally just a quarter rep. Um, so you can do this on curls, and I think people laugh at this because you're just like you're not doing full rep, full range of motion. But I got this from John Meadows, from the mountain dog, and it's brutal. But like doing – so a, a one I like is like seated – Dumbbell supinated curls. So palms up, just full range of motion curls. Once you reach like an RPE of eight to nine, literally just do half reps. Once you reach that RPE of about nine, go quarter reps and go all the way to failure. And it's literally like just full range of motion, half range of motion, and then a quarter range of motion. And <laughs> the quarter range of motion is just ridiculous. Now, it's it's not full range of motion. Full range of motion is more beneficial than partial. However, it's still volume. And it's still blood flow and you're still creating lactic acid and metabolite accumulation, both of which induce hypertrophy. So there still is merit to it. And sometimes it's just fun to get brutal on your pumps. Um, so that's a really good one. You can't really do this with squats because your quarter rep would be at the very bottom. And <laughs> if you finish with quarter reps, you're basically screwed to get all the way back up. Um, you can do this with lying leg curls. You can do this with... Um, hip abductions. You can do this with hmm. basically like the big thing here is you can do it with any flexion base, not extension base. So for example, you can't really do it with leg extensions because the primary peak tension point in a leg extension is the lockout. And by the time you fatigue, you can't get to that lockout. That's the whole point. Um, whereas and there's not much tension now there's a lot of, there's still a lot more peak tension inside the beginning stages of a flexion movement like a curl or a hamstring curl or even abduction based so lateral raises you could do too so full range of motion half range of motion quarter range of motion 
But those are the partial range motion drop sets. Number 16, variable resistance continued sets. Uh, these can be done using any extra equipment, really. So chains, bands, balls, weighted vests, etc. But I prefer to use bands and utilize potentiation, very similar to the contrast sets explained in the last episode. Um, so potentiation is kind of this effect where we create a stimulus of the nervous system prior to enhancing hypertrophy and volume. And what I mean by that is usually like, so for example, using the contrast sets again, you do one rep at 90% of your one rep max. That's going to stimulate your nervous system. Your nervous system is going to recruit more motor units and muscle fibers. And then you do six reps at a lower percentage, which is more volume, and you're recruiting more fibers and motor units during those six reps. So you're potentiating more hypertrophy. So um, for example, for this variable resistance continued sets, add bands to a trap bar, standing on the bands that are wrapped around the trap bar, you've added a completely new variable of resistance. Once you complete four to five quality reps, remove the bands and perform four to five more quality reps. If you wanted to add another layer, you could add four to five body weight or light kettlebell reps in as well. So you would go like, uh, and this is not speed reps. So remember, if you put a band on it with a really, really light load, you can do speed trap bar deadlifts, which I absolutely love. Um, but uh, with, this, what we are doing is actually using that band as extra resistance. So it's supposed to be hard. There's supposed to be a lot of tension. Um, you would do the five reps, remove the band, do five more reps, and then you could remove the band. You could do a jump squat. You could do a bodyweight squat. You could do a bodyweight, quote unquote, deadlift. So basically mimicking the form of the trap bar deadlift. Or you could have a kettlebell in front of you and do a really light kettlebell. Um, once again, we're just continuing a set further and further using resistance as the variable. And we can tweak that to allow for more volume to be performed in the same exact movement pattern while adding that variable resistance. Um, so a lot of these techniques are, have that similarity. If you look at them, it's ways to continue, which is cool because you can actually create your own if, you, if you're really creative and smart. But it's just essentially ways to continue sets to increase volume. Number 17, speed plus hypertrophy supersets. Um, you're going to think I'm obsessed with this potentiation, but <laughs> it works really well. And it's fun. It's proven by science. And it's really just challenging. So, I mean, what isn't there to love? Uh, now, we are going to use two completely separate outcomes in collaboration in order to double down on potentiation and recruit more muscle fibers, prime the nervous system, and build more muscle. And this might actually be a good example as to why CrossFit has some jacked athletes. Just one. Now, their volume is through the roof, too. So, there's two good examples. But here's an example of this. Perform a set of three reps fast with 65% of one rep max. Take a one to two minute rest period and slap on a little extra weight um, or none because you might not need any and then perform eight to 12 reps with that new weight or the weight you already had, leaving one rep in the tank. So this once again takes advantage of the fact that strength and speed amps up the nervous system and actually allows your body to recruit more muscle fibers, which is going to allow your hypertrophy set in the 8 to 12 reps range to be twice as effective because more muscle fibers are present during the set. It's especially great because it's recruiting different muscle fibers. So now growth is multifaceted. And what I mean by that is there's type 1, type 2. Some are fast, some are slow. This is going to help work both of them. Now, again, this is getting into the weeds. If your volume is inadequate, I always have to like take a step back and say this because what I just explained sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> and it sounds like the end-all be-all, but we just have to remember that if we truly look at science, if your intensity, volume, and frequency is in the right format and it's built for you, that's going to produce 90% or more of your results. 
what I am talking about here is the one to five percent. This is stuff that just what I said is factual. It is, but it's more fun than it is to produce insane results. Like if you're stuck at a plateau, adding this isn't going to be the one thing that just gets you huge. Now, could it contribute to more growth? Absolutely. But it's also going to contribute more to just having fun and challenging yourself and doing something different. Um, and if anything, stimulating more muscle fibers instead of just training the same boring way every single time. And that is going to give you motivation, increase your effort in the gym and actually push you harder to lift heavier loads. And that's what's going to increase. So sometimes some of these things sound too good to be true. And it's not that they're not true because they are backed by science, but they are still the one to 5% that difference. It's, it's volume that is going to increase most of your growth. And we have to remember that a lot of these things just help us get excited to increase load because we have more enthusiasm and that's more volume. So I just have to put that context out. But this is a really, really fun one. Um, it's really cool. So trap bar deadlift, for example, could be another one where we use that same band, but we use a lighter band and we're being explosive with it. So speed reps, right? Or we just have a lighter load on it. Fast, maybe even jump. Trap bar deadlift jumps are really fun. Explosive speed, two to three reps, set it down, wait a minute, and then do eight to 12 reps. Number 18, antagonist supersets. If you're short on time, this is perfect. Um, or if you just train, prefer to train full body style, or um, if you have aches and pains in your joints, I, I like this too. But this is a perfect one for being short on time when you prefer full body and you like that high intensity model where you kind of always feel like you're going, your heart rate's up. Or if you have joint pain or joint issues because you can superset specific movements to aid joint health. This is where you pick a movement, then you pick the exact opposite usually and superset them together, only taking 30 seconds or less between movements. So example would be a bench press plus a bent row, a military press plus a chin up or a pull down, a squat plus a leg curl um, or a leg extension plus a leg curl. You could do a deadlift with a leg extension or a squat, but I really, really do not suggest it. In fact, I don't suggest supersetting a deadlift with anything. 90% of the time. Many times I don't suggest compound squat being superseted either, but a, an accessory squat like a split squat or a cobble squat for sure. Um, leg curl and leg extension, definitely. Um, in fact, there's some good research that shows you will get more out of your leg extension by supersetting it with a leg curl. Um, could it be joint relief? Maybe. Could it be just maximizing total blood flow to your limbs? Probably. Um, could it be drawing blood away from the quad into the hamstring so that when you come back to the quad, you actually are less fatigued and you can lift heavier load or more reps, maybe. Um, is it because when I do a leg extension, full range of motion, I'm technically stretching my hamstring. And when I do a leg curl full range of motion, I'm stretching my quad. And we know that interest that stretching leads to growth. Possibly. Combination of all them. Probably. Same thing with curl and tricep extensions. Another really good one. Um, there's many reasons to do supersets. There's even merit to – there's studies showing that people improve their squat if they do calf raises um, in between. So if you're doing leg press or a squat, doing calf, extension, calf raises between or before you even do the squat – has actually showed to improve range of motion and therefore hypertrophy because you get a bigger stretch shortening cycle, um, which is just because when you do calf raises, you're loosening up and increasing dorsiflexion during a calf raise. So you increase dorsiflexion, you have a more full range of motion squat and your ankles aren't limiting that range of motion. It's a really, really good technique. But um, the reason I like these is because it just picks up the pace in your tra training. So 
if you use adequate rest between sets, I find that lifting the weight is a bit easier when you return to the first movement. And it's a great way to ensure joint, uh, less joint stress because you're using opposing movement patterns rather than hammering the same one repetitively. So I feel better, and I think that's why they showed favorable results with the bench press and the bent row because I'm relieving tension. And, and what we know is like when we bench press, we're predominantly doing protraction with the shoulder. There's not as much retraction. Now, if you're really good at benching, you do retract your shoulder, but it's still not firing your traps in your back as much as a row would. So by doing that and supersetting them, you actually enhance your posterior chain, which stabilizes your shoulders, relieves some protraction tension in your shoulders, and allows you to bench pain-free. So I really like supersets. Um, for me, it also just keeps the pace moving, but it's, it's really, really good. Now, you can also do giant sets, which is next. Number 19 is giant sets. These are the ultimate bodybuilding sets made popular by the legend himself, Milos Sarchev. Sarkev. <laughs> I act like I know him and I can't pronounce his name. Um, many, many people who are into hypertrophy know Milos. can never pronounce his last name right. I think it's Sarchev. But uh, this is where you perform not just two exercises, but three or even four exercises super to get set it together. Kind of like a circuit, but it's all in the exact same muscle. This is not going to allow your lifting to continue being heavy uh, because the purpose here is to burn out to create maximal muscle damage and fatigue. Nothing but hypertrophy should be your focus when implementing these. And honestly, you're probably gonna drop volume because your load is going to decrease. Similar to, now, your your load is gonna decrease, so your volume may decrease, but if you're adding this at the end of a set, it can be a great way to add lactic acid and metabolite. So there's a time and place for this that actually allows you to increase muscle damage, increase blood flow to the muscle, time and retention, all which have merit to hypertrophy. And if you're really smart about programming, you save it for last, you actually could increase volume slightly with it. Um, and they're really fun, they're challenging as fuck. Uh, so you'll usually perform all exercise in the hypertrophy zone, quote unquote, which is going to be kind of anywhere between that 8 to 12 rep range, which we know is false. There is no hypertrophy zone because if volume is equated, you're going to see the same growth regardless. But you know what I mean by that. Um, but you'll notice that your reps lower as you go. As the time uh, goes on, you just fatigue more and more. Um, the goal is to take minimal rest between anything to keep tension and fatigue high, but take about three to five minutes at the end because you really just will need it. So here are some good examples of this. Um, barbell bench press, superset it with a dumbbell bench press, superset it with a decline dumbbell fly, superset it with an incline cable fly or pec deck. So as you can see, is barbell bench press is the big motor movement. After that, we go to a dumbbell bench press, a little bit easier. After that, we go to a decline, which is going to be easier by the angle. Dumbbell fly, because we can use lighter, we can get more of the stretch. And then lastly, we're going to go with an incline cable fly, because we can go even lighter, and it's a little bit easier. Um, barbell squat, leg press, leg extension, bodyweight squat. Barbell hip thrust, dumbbell RDL, hip abduction. Another one, chin up, lat pull down, low elbow cable roll. So we're going from a body weight, um, basically relative strength, vertical pull to a mechanical and machine-based vertical pull, which is easier because we can lighten the load compared to our body weight. And then a low elbow cable roll, which is even easier because we can lighten the load even more. And it's a horizontal pull, which we can control a little bit easier and typically lift heavier with. Um, barbell curl, seated dumbbell curl, standing dumbbell curl, and then a dumbbell hammer curl, another thing. So we have barbell, and then we have seated, which removes momentum. Then we have standing, which increases momentum. And then finally, we have dumbbell hammer curl, which is changing the grip, um, slightly changing the heads of the bicep too, but this is going to be a little bit easier typically than a dumbbell supinated curl. So just examples of those, like, again, 
old school bodybuilding, primarily focused on the pump and the burnout, I would save these for the end of your training, but they can be fun. Um, if you have a weak body part or a part you want to grow, adding these in a couple days a week is smart. Like if you really want to build your delts, perfect for it. Number 20, I call this the big and boring. Um, six sets of six, eight sets of eight, 10 sets of 10. Um, another bodybuilding legend actually, Vince Garanda, started using protocols like this to build his physique way back for preps. Um, these are this old, old one. And as you can probably guess, the secret is it's a shit ton of volume. Pretty simple. So you'd pick a movement and perform six by six, eight by eight, or ten by ten. Um, ten by ten is German volume training, um, better known as. Um, it's boring, but it hits big volumes and it creates serious results. So there's not much to explain here. You would use this on your compound, and I've used this effectively with a lot of people. Um, so if they need to grow, and especially if they don't have a lot of time or they don't have much equipment, especially if you don't have much equipment, it can be really useful. So let's say you have an upper lower split and you have a bench day, a deadlift day, a squat day, and an overhead press day. You just do six by six on everything. And you can even linear progress this. So you can go six by six, seven by seven, eight by eight. If you really want to crank up volume, you would drop load as you go. Um, or you can do the reverse. You can go eight by eight, seven by seven, six by six, which is what I would encourage because then you're lowering volume, increasing load. And you can actually even finish with five by five, start starting strength style. But Works really well, really boring, primarily safe for the compound lifts. Um, I've used these on curls and arms too because it can be a useful way to get heavier loads and the stuff, but I typically don't recommend heavy loads very often with curls and stuff like that. So the last one, number 21, 85 or 25. For someone like me who really likes to just like kind of push the pace, this one is actually perfect. So rather than doing five sets of five at 85%, of one rep max, the typical and classic starting strength rep set scheme programmed by so many different people, which does work. I've used it as well. This one, you'd set a timer and you get it done at your own fastest pace. So what this looks like is you have a deadlift, you take 85% of your one rep max, you start the timer and you go for 25 reps. All you're trying to do is complete 25. Now, if you go five by five, if it's eight, seven, five, four, three, 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 and it doesn't matter. As long as you get 25 reps, that's all that matters. And what you'll do is take your time with it, focus on efficiency, focus on strength, focus on speed, focus on form, and then stop the timer. See what you get, and then each week try to improve that. Because what you're trying to do is, yes, increase strength, but you're also trying to increase work capacity. So I like 85 for 25. It's a really cool way to just switch things up. Or if you're short on time or if if you like more of an intuitive approach it works really well because sometimes percentage-based sets aren't always the best because you could walk in the gym and not be as fresh as you normally are or not be as fresh as you were when you did your one rep max test max test to get your 85 percent of one rep max for this right or the five by five quote unquote um and the problem there is is if you're not as fresh as normal and you try to lift in these 85 90 percent rep range or intensity range and you're just not there might hurt yourself. But if you're intuitive with it and you just go, okay, I need to put 85% of the one rep max on the bar because as long as I get my volume in at that percentage, I'm still going to build strength and muscle at the same rate I would have if I did five by five on a fresh day. However, now I can do a bunch of sets of three, four, do a couple sets of two, however I feel. And I'm stopping at the right RPE to make sure I avoid getting hurt. Really, really like that one. Um, and that concludes this podcast of 21 program design hacks to end training boredom. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. 
I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.